This is the Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Good morning, Syracuse. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cues podcast. Thanks for joining us as always. I'm your host, Wes Chang. Always a lot to get to the program as always. Let's get started with Syracuse basketball and their NCAA resume. It's not an NCAA resume right now. Syracuse is 0-3 in Quadrant 1 games. They have two Quadrant 3 losses. If the NCAA tournament started today and they were to pick their 68 teams, Syracuse would not be in that field. They're currently 106 in the net rankings. Their best win on the resume is Virginia Tech. That's 55th in net. They have a chance for a quad one win on Monday against Miami. They lead most of the game. They led by double digits in the second half, but they couldn't seal the deal in the last five minutes. Turnovers, rebounding, they look like a team that relies on freshmen in those last five minutes. Judah Mintz has been great all year. He has. He's lived up to the hype so far as a top 50 recruit. He didn't on Monday. He had three points and five turnovers. All those turnovers occurred in spots where they shouldn't happen. So you live and you learn. Jim Beheim could have played Samir Torrance, but instead he wanted Mintz to work through it. He's the head coach. That's his decision. You hope that Mintz is the type of player that will take his lessons from this game and use it to get better moving forward. I think he's that type of player. We'll see how he responds on Saturday against Georgia Tech. But let's break down that Miami game. We welcome on 2003 national champion, the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, always great to chat with you. How are you today? Everything is great, Wes. How about yourself? Yeah, Andrew, doing well. We'll get you started on this one. Syracuse had a chance for a huge quadrant one win, and they let it slip through their fingers on Monday. They lost to Miami 82-78 on the road after leading most of the evening. What did you think after watching that game? You know, obviously, you never want to lose. It's always disappointing to lose, especially when, you know, you, you saw some, uh, you know, encouraging uh, uh, play by Syracuse. And I think that's, I would use the word as encouraging in terms of you're going on a road. To your point, you're playing a quadrant one team, um, you know, a top 20 team. I don't know if rankings really matter, you know, the way college basketball is these days in terms of who's ranked and who's not ranked. But they're a team that they're an NCAA tournament team. And but they played well. And, and I the reason I use encouraging because you're just seeing you're just seeing little steps each step. The team's getting better. They're playing better together. You're seeing the freshmen get a little bit more comfortable in terms of what, you know, division one high, you know, intense college basketball is all about. Um, and so it's just, you know, I'm seeing that the, the direction of the team is going in the right direction. And I think that's, um, you know, encouraging for, you know, the, this next, uh, months, uh, you know, month and a half in terms of ACC play, you know, leading into, uh, you know, hopefully NCAA tournament. So, Andrew, you were on that 2003 national championship team that had underclassmen playing big roles. Jerry McNamara, Carmelo Anthony as freshman, Craig Forth, Hakeem Warwick, Josh Pace as sophomores. This team, as it stands today, relies on underclassmen to complement Joe Girard and Jesse Edwards. Judah Mintz, Benny Williams, Chris Bell, Justin Taylor, they're all underclassmen. Do you like the trajectory of what you've seen so far from the team's development? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously with Judah, you know, he's a he's a special freshman in terms of just um, his, not just his basketball ability, but just mentally and his confidence. And, you know, you could argue he probably had his worst game against Miami, right? He had, more, he had five turnovers and three points. You know, that's that's going to happen when you're a freshman. You're just going to have a bad game. You heard Beheim talking about it after 
you know, uh, in this post uh, press conference that that those things happen when you're a freshman, and it's not. I don't think it's anything of grave concern just because you know how strong a player he is, uh, both talent wise and mentally. That um, you know, if he has a normal game, we, you know, we probably win that game. So you, you're you're all you're you know what you got him, and you're excited about him and, and what the future holds for him. And then you're just seeing, uh, you know, baby steps in terms of. You know, Justin Taylor getting more confidence and more minutes and comfortable. Uh, same thing with Bell in terms of, you know, confidence in shooting. And even with Benny, you know, in terms of his, you know, sophomore progression. Obviously, there's ups and downs. But, uh, again, it's, it's uh, you know, you just want to see the confidence get a little bit better each each kind of week, each game, uh, to where they can, you know, they can pull off some, some key we- Key wins, and and I think that's where you know when we when we look to the NCAA is is you know we want to keep on this trajectory or this trend of beating teams that we sh- you know we should be you know in terms of uh, Virginia Tech and a Notre Dame and Louisville uh, of those sort, but it's finding those kind of key wins um, that I think will help not just uh, from a tournament standpoint but also a confidence with the freshmen with players right. You know, if you if we can pull off, let's say, uh, beating Virginia at home, you know, a, a top, a Final Four type team, that gives not only great credentials in terms of the resume, but it gives those young players saying, you know, again, more con- like we're good, we're getting better, we're really good, like we can do some damage. You know, even with UNC coming up in in a couple weeks, yeah, you know, they started off obviously what number one team in the country, and they're not ranked, you know, anymore, but that's still, you know, a classic you know, blue by team, they're, they're in the final you know, game last year. So, you know, a win against them, even at home, again, is is building that confidence and, and just comfortability that uh, with freshmen and sophomore that, hey, like, we, you know, we can we can get off these big wins and we can do some damage when it when it when the big games come. And that's and that's the key. It happened to us in 03, I think. When, when we started getting more confidence and when we went on the road and beat Michigan State at Michigan State, that was not only just a great win, but just you could you could get the sense, the feeling amongst the, the players and in the locker room, like, we're, we're really good, like, that we can we can do some damage. And, and I think that's what um, this, this uh, team needs uh, going forward. Andrew, you've been around Syracuse basketball for a long time. You were a member of some of those great teams, including the 2003 National Championship team. You watch some not-so-great teams. So let's take the record away for a moment and just look at what you see on the floor as of January 19, 2023. Does this look like a team that's NCAA-worthy to you? It does, absolutely. Just because I think, um, you know, you have you have Joe Girard in terms of we know the type of player he is in terms of, you know, can, can get hot at any second. You know, you saw that aggressiveness out of Jesse against Miami that's you know that's a that's there's not a lot of players like him in today's college basketball and when he can get you know 20 and 10 that that's a that's a, a key component a, a you know key difference amongst a lot of other teams that can you know if he stays aggressive and then obviously you have you have a premier freshman in Judah and then it's kind of like what can we get out of uh Justin what can we get out of Bell Benny and, and those players so i think you know my one big concern you know, is is really more on the defensive side in terms of the zone, in terms of how the freshmen are able to continue to improve on how to read the the zone and how to play it. It's very, it's not just like an average zone. You gotta, you know, anticipate and you gotta, 
you know, shade the right players. And there's, there's little nuances within the zone that, um, for freshmen, it's, it's much more difficult and it takes a little bit more time. But once they can, they understand it better, um, you know, it can be a huge asset when it comes to, you know, ACC tournament, but more importantly, the NCAA tournament. And that's the biggest thing is, is really getting the defense to, uh, take bigger steps because I'm not, I'm not so much worried on the offensive side because I think we have enough offensive power. It's, it's getting uh, the defensive to, to continue to improve dramatically because that can be kind of the game changer. And it, and it starts, it starts at the guards. Like, you know, Joe is, you know, we know about his offensive skills, but there are a little bit of liabilities when it comes to, um, you know, on the defense. And we had that in our year, right? G Mac, obviously an unbelievable offensive player, freshman you know he he the defensive side was he had to learn a little bit more more but his partner up top was either quest duaney a six six great defensive player or josh pace at six five so you could you you know that kind of helped any kind of little liabilities that gmac had so we just gotta kind of find ways to get the defense to improve and i think um if we see that get better and you see better movement and, and, and closing out and all the nuances that come with the zone, I think then um, we can not only be a tournament team, but then really cause some problems in the tournament. Andrew, thanks so much for coming back on the program again. 2003 national champion, the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, thanks again as always. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Wes. Andrew Cowie, boys and girls. You know, it's the 20th anniversary of Syracuse's NCAA championship team. They're going to have a big celebration honoring that team when they retired Jerry McNamara and Hakeem Warwick's jerseys on March 4 against Wake Forest. Andrew's going to be at that game. We're going to have some other alums from that 2003 championship team on the podcast in the coming weeks. But wow, 20 years have gone by. Unbelievable. It really does seem like yesterday. We'll take a quick break. I'll be joined by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief Brad Bierman after to talk more Syracuse basketball. I'm Wes Chang. This is the Juice on the Q's podcast. Here's the MyBookie read. Winning season is back at MyBookie.ag. That means doubling your first deposit at MyBookie.ag. It's time to celebrate college basketball season. Sign up now and make your first deposit to get a dollar for dollar match all the way up to $1,000. Cool $1,000. I like $1,000. The best part is MyBookie.ag has thousands of bets for you to choose from. From the full NCAA college basketball slate to the NBA and NFL, every play you want to make is waiting for you at mybookie.ag. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code THEJUICEONLINE. That's all one word, THEJUICEONLINE, to double your first deposit. Now, it's a no-brainer. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie.ag. So, yes, that loss to Miami was disappointing, but there's still 12 games left. There's plenty of college basketball left to go. We bring on the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman, to continue our discussion on Jim Beheim and the basketball team. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, I spoke about this with Andrew Cowie earlier, but I want to get your take on it, too. Syracuse lost out on a quad one opportunity, losing to Miami 82-78 on Monday. We got Andrew's takeaway, but what were your takeaways from that game? Well, a quick summary of that, Wes, is the Orange snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in this game at Miami. It's that simple. This game was there for the taking. This game was a road win that you could steal coming off two days rest. Miami also had played two days prior and upset at NC State in overtime. And Syracuse always plays well at Miami. So 
there was nothing surprising to me until about five minutes to play in the game. And then, as it happened in last year's games against Miami, fell apart in the end and, and lost both games last year. And this one on Monday night on the road, really tough. Because, as you said, here was the prime opportunity to get a Quadrant One victory that Syracuse so desperately needs to keep a NCAA tournament hopes alive this year. And it's kind of also the story, Wes, of what we've seen all year. There's never been one complete game uh, certainly against non-mid-major competition, in which Syracuse has gotten you know, equal uh, positive complementary performances from the top eight to nine players that play in the game. It always seems as though two or three players have great games, two or three other players you're counting on don't, and that was the case again against Miami with Chris Bell struggling offensively uh, as one of the starters, and not as much production from the bench as in previous games. So it really makes it tough now uh, as the ACC schedule continues, West for Syracuse, because, as you mentioned, they have to get quality wins to make up not only for the uh, upset defeats early in the season to Colgate and Bryant, but just to gain spots in the ACC and be one of the better teams before the regular season ends. So, Brad, looking at the rest of the schedule, can Syracuse have an NCAA resume by the time Selection Sunday rolls around? My initial answer to that, Wes, is probably not, but let's take a little bit deeper dive. Uh, they need quad one wins, and there's not many left on the schedule to begin with. So Syracuse at 12-7 and seven overall after the Miami defeat, 5-3 and three in the ACC, and so if the 12 games remaining, you project at 500, just using that number, 500, six wins, six defeats, well, would finish 18 and 13. And without a run in the ACC tournament in Greensboro, that's simply not going to get you into the NCAA tournament. And so taking a look at the opportunities, again, they're limited in those 12 games. Uh, at Georgia Tech uh, this coming weekend, game that Syracuse seemingly should win. But again, you know, Tech beat Miami at home. So that's going to, you know, play it out and see what happens, although Syracuse normally plays well in Atlanta. Uh, North Carolina coming to the Dome the following game, projecting as a loss. At Virginia Tech, uh, after that, also tough to say, maybe projecting as a loss. Virginia in a big Monday game in the Dome. Well, you know how Syracuse and Virginia match up, you know, tough, but at this point you'd kind of project a loss. Uh, then at BC, sort of project a win there. At Florida State, well, tough, but, you know, it could be a loss. NC State, maybe an upset win at home in the Dome. Then the Duke game, you know, that's going to be the Duke game. I mean, Duke's a more talented team top to bottom, but see what happens in that Saturday night encounter in late February. Uh, at Clemson, well, of course, they're undefeated, leading the ACC right now, so you wouldn't project that to be a win. At Pitt, well, Pitt already won in the Dome this year, so that's going to be tough. And then finishing up with Georgia Tech, you know, should win at home. And that emotional finale of the regular season against Wake Forest West because they'll be retiring the numbers of Jerry McNamara and Akeem Warwick and uh, honoring, as you know, with Andrew Cowie, as he spoke to the 20th anniversary of the national championship team. So that's 6-6. Six and six. That's 18-13. and 13. They have to get more wins than that, and the, those wins in those 12 games, West have to come against Quadrant 1 or Quadrant 2 opponents. 
And Brad, we're running out of show. Your closing thoughts. Wes, I've been uh, scratching my head over this announcement that came about a week and a half ago from the ACC. They're going to announce the 2023 football schedule on Monday night, January 30th. And that's great. They're making a whole TV show on the ACC network about it. Everyone will be interested just to see the lineup of the football schedule next year for the Orange. But it comes in direct conflict with Syracuse's game against Virginia in the Dome at the same exact time. Can't figure that out. I know football is football, basketball is basketball, but probably could have simply moved that to Thursday, February 2nd. No ACC basketball games are played that night, and it comes a day after the first day of the late signing period on Wednesday, February 1st. So there will be a lot of talk about all the ACC football programs that day, always recruiting a, a big news item for all the fans and seeing which players are added to the roster in the late signing period. And uh, then you could go the next day and talk about the football schedule. That seemingly makes more sense to me. But what is known, right now, the tentative dates for the non-conference teams are set. So this announcement from the ACC would be plugging in the dates for the eight conference games, seemingly nothing more than that, because Colgate's already set for September 2nd, Western Michigan the 9th, at Purdue the 16th, and then hosting Army September 23rd, right off the the bat of the season, to have the four non-conference games. So I don't think there's going to be any surprises with the ACC putting a a conference game at the beginning. Colgate only has one open date. They've released its schedule already, and that's in October. So uh, I just was really uh, curious as to why the ACC decided to do this the same night of the Syracuse-Virginia basketball game. Brad, I'm going to close the show by talking a little Syracuse lacrosse. The men's lacrosse team had their media day on Monday, and my major takeaway from that is now this is Gary Gates' team. Last year, he inherited a roster of John Desco's guys with John Desco's scheduling, and Desco used to schedule ranked team after ranked team, and that hurt Syracuse last year. They finished 4-10. That's the first time Syracuse has ever had 10 losses in a season. Gates got a young team this year, and he scheduled it as such. Gates scheduled three mid-majors in the beginning of the season in Vermont, Albany, and Holy Cross. And then he gives his team a breather in the middle with Hofstra, St. Bonaventure, and Hobart on the slate. I think that's smart as he assumes complete control of the program. I'm looking forward to seeing how Syracuse does this year. That's it for us. I want to thank my guests today, former Syracuse basketball guard Andrew Cowie, the Juice Online editor-in-chief Brad Bierman, and our sponsor, MyBookie.ag. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the umbrella is named perfect for people who aren't sure at first. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast, and we'll see you next time. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 